Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Evan Smith on the line. Evan, how are you? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I am awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you know, a lot of the work that you do, and one of the things that resonates with me is you, you focus on great work. And one yeah. of the things I, I'm always intrigued by that and, and love that, and it's something that I do because I find when I am in the space to be able to do great work, it's fulfilling and it energizes me and it, it makes me actually work even more efficiently and look for improvements to do great work. So share a little bit about you and the work you do, and then we'll dive right in. Sure. Thank you. Yes. So um, this notion about great work, for me, it's really all about sort of purpose and being connected to it day to day, moment to moment, and just knowing that uh, the energy I'm spending is for something that's greater than I am. And it is ultimately for me, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And I know, you know, you're uh, keenly interested in burnout. I know it's one of when that connection is broken to purpose, when you can't see the line of sight to it, it's one of the things that starts to sap energy and actually, I think, draw people into a zone of a zone of experiencing burnout or symptoms that are more severe. I I find that employees, if they're not allowed, and maybe that's not the right phrase, but if the environment doesn't create opportunities for them to do great, or it's not necessarily valued, or the organization is just kind of coasting by type of thing, then there's no motivation. Then all of a sudden, right. without the motivation, they're like, well, why bother? I might as well just do this. And then right. it, it just has this domino effect of, okay, now, you know, it's like, I'm not really engaged going to work. There's really nothing to grow or anything. We're just kind of coasting. Yeah. And that drains people. Now, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are busy and they've got a lot of work going on and all that, you know, they long for those days. So they think. But then they get into those situations and it drives them absolutely bonkers. My better half, you know, and, and you know, we go back and forth on different things. And, you know, in her work right now where she's working, they're slammed. They are right. growing. They just acquired a new property. They're doubling yeah. their size, doing all kinds of great things. A few months ago, before this gigantic boost in, in business, um, it was quiet for a bit and yeah. you know, she was bored to tears. She's like, should I look for another job? I'm like, no, because you're saying these things are coming up. So this is the opportunity to fine tune things, get that filing done, do all the other things you want to get done. So that way your infrastructure is ready to go. And then when you're ready, then it won't be as big of a struggle to, you know, ride all all the stress and fun that, uh, you know, business growth brings. Yes, yes, I love that. I mean, what your description's reminding me of is that uh that uh, the French term uh from the kitchen, a great chef is uh, mise en place, right? It is it is organizing so that everything is in its place so that you can do great work in that moment when when the orders come in, when the pressure is on, when the growth has ramped up, you've organi- you've thought through everything, you've organized yourself so that you can do your absolute best in that setting. Yeah. 
It's critical, and it's one of those things that's been, you know, like I said, she she'll make comments about how I have everything organized, you know, even behind me, you can probably see the poster that says I have CDO. It's, o- <laughs> it's OCD, but the letters are in alphabetical order like they should be. Well, that's, that, that's kind of me. So, but for me, the reason, and I know it, I acknowledge it. I'm not, you know, trying to tell people this should be this way. I don't should all over everybody. I, I basically say for me, having this where I know that they will be consistently day after day, yeah. allows me not to use any brain power to think about that. Absolutely. I can focus Absolutely. my attention on what do I need to do? Okay, yes. if it's making dinner, all right? You know, I've everything, all the ingredients are ready to go to make dinner tonight. Yeah. I know where everything is when it's time. You put them, you know, and everything there and boom, and it, it cuts down the efficiency or it makes more efficient the cooking time. Yeah. But for somebody, and there's a side note, and I don't think I've ever shared this on a show before, is you know, cooking for me is one of those things where it's just like, it's, it's like painting. It's like art. It's creating. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I experiment with different things and try different things. And sometimes it's right. good. Sometimes uh, it goes into the compost pile and away we go. <laughs> um, and then, and then, then we're on Uber Eats and going, all right, let's see who, who can get here the fastest. Exactly. Uh, right. I'm hungry. But again, it's one of those things being prepared and that's that's one of the ingredients of great work is just being prepared where you've got everything you need. So when the work presents itself to do the great work, you've got everything you need. Yes, yes. I totally agree with you. And I would say there's a there's a delicate balance around it. Um, um, being aware of what that preparation is and what your own patterns are as you approach it. I mean, I love your poster there organizing the letters of OCD. I mean, you're a good friend of mine likes to say, I am a I am not a control freak. I'm a control expert. And, you know, there's a, there's a way in which it's really important to know what your patterns are so that, and this gets to some of the work I do with clients, so that you can be intentional and make good choices about where you're going to try something new, where you're going to innovate. Sounds like what you're doing in your cooking. You, you, you start with basic principles. You start with a set of ingredients. And then you're in the place where there's there's ways in which you want to change a pattern in service of something greater, in service of a better outcome, in service of connecting with a patient or serving a customer better. Um, that's that's where the opportunity is sort of to step into the learning zone where you're trying something new and beyond the zone of what is familiar and where your expertise lies, uh, sort of in that comfort zone. I'm glad you mentioned healthcare. And as we talked in the pre-show, you know, yeah. I worked in the healthcare industry for over yeah. a decade. And it's definitely an arena that has seen a ton of advancements. It continues mm. to with new new surgical procedures, new treatments, new ways to address you know the mind and the body and, and yes. figuring those connections on there but as you said you know burnout is is definitely an area that I talk about a lot and I know that sector you know front and center even in my own personal journey when I had my own burnout I was working in healthcare so yes. I know what it is so share share a little bit of the work you're doing in in that particular sector yes yes so um most of my work has been with leaders and executives generally across an array of industries. Most recently, we're sort of looking at healthcare, partly because of the the amount, the number of issues that have come up around burnout. If you look at 
even pre-pandemic, the statistics on burnout, as you know, in healthcare for physicians, quite extreme. And it's only gotten worse. I think the uh, some of the folks that I've been looking at research-wise say that we're still, I mean, this is sort of like a tsunami. We have, we've had a year of stress severe stress in in many healthcare systems and we haven't really seen the wave yet the the what happens for people individually when they're carrying that stress for a year that sense of depersonalization overwork disconnection from purpose so we're we're really taking an approach to it that is i guess both both that reflects some of the guidance that i think you bring to your uh, your work, which is around helping people make intentional choices that helps them take care of themselves and more, not, I mean, a dramatic oversimplification, but also to take some of the work I've done in, in large organizational systems and help organizations make better choices that will support people in a, in a collaborative, constructive work environment where the stressors that can contribute to burnout can be, uh, intentionally addressed uh, for purposes of improving not just physician or nurse experience in at work, but driving down things like uh, medical errors, uh, improving patient mortality, and more. I mean, there's a lot of statistics around that. Part of, as you know, part of what's going on in healthcare has to do with more, you know, more electronic medical records, which come with lots of benefits, but it also comes with an even greater sense of, dis- in some ways, disconnecting people with what may have drawn them to medicine in the first place, which was the delivery of care with to a person. Uh, there was a I saw a statistic recently that that there's there's can be up to two hours of EHR documentation work associated with every one hour of patient care. When you think about the work burden that puts on. A uh, an operating system, an operating healthcare system. It's really dramatic. So, so our our focus is really on helping systems make good choices that help remove stressors from the environment and make it uh, create better working conditions for all the clinicians in that in those environments. It's been a huge challenge, and I, I spoke at Becker's Healthcare Conference yeah. a couple of years ago on physician burnout, and in t- engaging with you know some of the physicians. There was a, a physician that had been practicing for over twenty years, and that particular year, he says, "I'm making less money now than I did five years ago," mm-hmm. and I and I looked and I'm like. Oh, Okay, how? What's going on? And I know some of the challenges with billing and insurance companies, and you know that that's a whole different subject uh, as far as getting what you bill type of situations. Mm. And most doctors don't get. I mean, if they're getting half of what they bill, it's actually you know a good thing. So it's right. not just the the patients that are dealing with some of those issues; the physicians are as well. But all the compliance issues, all the reporting, the health yeah. record systems, the documentation, the you know the two hours for every one hour type of thing, is really creating a lot of havoc. So, from a system standpoint, you know, it's great that you're doing this research and this work because there's got to be something different. I mean, the the information that we can get through electronic health records is amazing. And the research on that can help with breakthroughs and treatments and all kinds of different things to make 
society healthier and give them yeah. opportunity and, and make the shift from, you know, the basically reactive, acute, episodic type of healthcare to preventative. And, yeah. you know, that's huge system changes and all of that. And I know a lot of people are really pushing towards that. But on the flip side of it, and I, I always, you know, a great boss of mine years ago, you know, told me this and he says, you know, the best organizations put people in the place where they can do the things that only they can do. And that's why they're working there. Physician, right. Physicians should not be spending two hours for every hour on the patient in right. front of a computer, keying away notes, checking yeah. things, or there's, there's gotta be more to it. Delegate it somehow, whether it's through AI or through a, a documenting assistant or something along those lines. So the information that's going from the patient encounter gets into the system, does what it needs to do, flushes out. Yeah. So, because again, these physicians are because the compliance issues reporting each ours and all these things, no wonder they're burning out because they're spending so much time doing their job, you know, basically double the time that their predecessors did, you know, even a couple decades ago. Right. So, so it's like, okay, and this is where you think, okay, collectively you get people together and say, okay, what are some ideas around this? And I know a lot of physicians struggle with student loans and, and cause yeah. you know, that, that, that is uh, the number. And I've, I've seen, you know, some physicians have shared with me, you know, what their, what their student loan bill is. And I'm looking at mm -hmm. that and I'm like, is that a, does that come with a two car garage or three? And, right. and, and they're exactly. like, it comes with no garage. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, and, and it's like, Okay. And, and again, you see, they, they're bringing that baggage to the table before they see patient one. And then right. all the other fun stuff that they have to do and cost and all of that. It, it's concerning to me uh, because as our society gets older, we need more healthcare professionals, yes. not less. And yes. I know a lot, of, a lot of people in the sectors, especially in the nursing uh, realms as well, are leaving the profession. You know, that's and it's right. like, we can't have that. That's not exactly. good. You know, when exactly. I, when I, when I get older and if, you know, th hopefully my health is good, but if it, if it isn't, you know, I, I want healthcare to be there for me to address the things that I need. And uh, there may be certain situations and especially in some of the more rural areas uh, that they may not. And that's right. going to be really problematic. Yes. Yes. Now you're, you're describing a, 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 a a cycle, um, you know, our our thinking about how to create a not even a nurturing work environment, but just a collaborative, more open, more human-centered work environment for our care providers has not caught up with the the reality of the environment that they are working within today. So more requirements, to your point, more requirements have been put on them. And again, all of this before the pandemic hit. Um, uh, just a, a really crushing amount. I think. I think part of what we are really interested in doing is getting engaged with organizations and systems that want to rethink that whole approach and uh, what it might lead to. It could lead to shifts in strategy. To your point, staffing, other other approaches to the business model. Um, uh, and ways to 
organize the work differently. There's there's quite a hierarchy in that is that is implicit and assumed that comes from you know from the training in medical school, right? How do we how do we see these patterns more clearly, more directly, so that to to what we talked about earlier, we can we can help people make some different choices that'll lead to better outcomes for them and for all the people that they are working with in their their care provider teams. It, it's crucial, and you know we're mm-hmm. seeing we're seeing some stuff with especially with the remote patient encounters, which was happening again before the pandemic in many areas and mm. other in yeah. other parts of the world not so much but it was definitely amplified during the pandemic uh, even you know my physician you know I haven't seen her in you know since before the pandemic but I've had a couple you know check-in appointments on a couple things right, um, right. but did it virtually um I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I didn't book a physical for that. That would have been uh, self-physicals. Okay, yeah, it feels good. You, you didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, uh, what do you mean? Uh, you're on camera. You didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, we're good. No, we're not. It's like, okay, yeah. So, no, I don't think they, I don't think they do remote physicals. Well, no. they, I, I certainly hope not, but um, I would switch doctors. But anyway, um, but again, it's... There, technology is a great thing, but it's also made things more complex because they go, oh, wow, we can get all this stuff, which means, all right, great. But again, we're, we're taxing our professionals and you're making physicians and clinicians do a lot more administrative work than they need yes. to. They did not sign up to go into admin. There are people in this world like myself that, you know, worked in administrative and executive type of roles. Yeah. You know, people like us, that's the type of work we like to do. Right. Um, Right. I I always joke. I said, I barely passed biology class in high school. And I'm pretty certain the only reason that I did was Mr. Burrell did not want to see me again next year. (laughs) So. I've got that was a gift, and I thank you. Statue of limitations. I already got my <laughs> diploma. You can't take it away from me. But, but the thing of it is, it for me again, having worked in the sector as long as I did, mm. and knowing these, you know, physicians and clinicians as human beings, and we all are. But you know, some mm. people, society will look at healthcare professionals and doctors in yeah. a little bit different light than other roles, and, and you know, that's gone on for a long time. And I'm not saying that we we change that per se, but we we also need to look at them as these are human beings, and yeah. the same types of struggles that we have in society, they do too. Right? Um, they're dealing right. with losses. They're dealing with things not being open. They're dealing yeah. with the overwhelming work hours and mm. the 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 resistance and lack of finances or funding to do things. So it's right. So as a society, we want to make sure that we are doing what we can to make healthcare work. In order for it to work, they need to be healthy. And we have to make sure that our healthcare clinicians are healthy. And as a society, we need to fight and advocate for that just as hard as we fight and advocate for other causes and, and situations that we see all across the globe. Making yeah. sure our healthcare environments are healthy for the people yes. who work in that sector yes. is something yes. that needs to be front and center. I, yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and again, you'll be familiar with this, of course, but there's a part of what I think we are often training into people as they 
advance in their career is um, a a belief or an assumption that they can't share what's really going on with them. So 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 being able to say, I am fatigued. I'm I'm concerned about my attention span. I am you know I'm experiencing some of these symptoms that uh, of overwork or I'm feeling listless and like for people to be able to say that is difficult. It's difficult to be able to acknowledge that outside of healthcare, there's clearly some research that suggests it's even harder for a care provider to say, I have needs that I need to be explicit about in service of, you know, to your point, it, you know, it's sort of like putting your own mask on first on the airplane. We have to get to the place where we can help people put their own mask on first so that they can assist other 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 passengers, other patients, the other team members. Um, so getting beyond the stigma around that is 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 uh, particularly acute. And I think for uh, again, some of the research I've seen suggests that for uh, women, it's it the uh, the barrier to self disclosure is even higher. Concerns about stigma and what you know what it may what impact that may have for their um, advancement uh, for people of color uh, and and other uh, you know outside of white male culture, it can be more challenging. So there's I think there's an awful lot of work to do to help care providers get the care they need and and have open conversations in the workplace about how we're going to make the sort of sustainable creative collaborative system that provides to your point provides great care and in a way that enables people to come back and provide that care day after day year after year through the course of a career it's so critical you know i think back mm-hmm. to my pediatricians and you know they were in practice for a long time uh, and you know saw sick children, you know, and I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, for a lot of, you know, people, you know, the thought of your, your child or, you know, a loved one being ill is one thing, but when it's, when it's your child, it's, it, it cuts a little bit different for those of us mm. that have kids. And, but they, you know, they, they live full lives. They enjoyed what they did. They mm-hmm. had set hours, but, you know, they would, you know, answer calls and did house calls and things like that. Yeah. But they, but they, you know, had you know did some things and you know never never noticed them off on on anything and in actually one of my cousins worked for um that clinic you know, later on <laughs> in life and you know like no they're just as easy going as can be so i think a <laughs> lot of it is how they approach life as well and <laughs> and 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 i always implore people it's like your vocation your career very <laughs> important you put a lot of time and effort in it but it's not the only part of you. There's an, right. there, you are you. So you want to make sure that you're taking care of that person yes. as a whole. And that yes. will make, make your work a lot better, no matter what you do in life. Yes. Yes. I mean, just being in the place where you can notice your internal and external state and, and just acknowledge that is something, I mean, many of us in our, in our patterned, busy lives can rush right by that sort of thing. But just being in the place to notice for purposes of naming and then, you know, to your point, to get to addressing that, making choices that help uh, help support yourself, your team, the people you care for. Yeah, so important. 
So where do you see your work in the next, uh, you know, maybe two to five years? I mean, obviously, let's yeah. we'll we'll do we'll do a post pandemic, which yeah. is going to be really really interesting work. I think I, I yeah. don't think a lot of people have looked at that as much as they should. I mm. think the the work is going to be really really intriguing um, yeah. after this pandemic. It's not like okay, we're back in the office. Let's get back to work. Uh, no, I think we're going to have all kinds of different things that are in yeah. that uh, in that recipe that we didn't see before. Yeah, no, I, there's a lot of fascinating discussion underway in this space. Um, to your point, I think, you know, there's a lot of, we have discovered uh, a lot of the benefits of working virtually, right? And some of that won't go away, but um, I, I do think there, we are going to, we are in the place where we are going to reimagine and reinvent the way that we organize ourselves to work uh, in a way that acknowledges both more of the virtues and capability of working remotely where that's called for, and that is more intentional about creating human to human contact in those ways and in those places where it's so, it's so critical. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I heard a great podcast with uh, Dan Cable from the London Business School, and he said his observation was, there's never been a time since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution where so many thousands of leaders had to question their very core assumptions about how work was organized. There's never been a moment like that. And he said, you know what all of them, all of them did? No, no one, <laughs> no one went to the went to their file and says, what does the job description say I should do in this moment? No one did that. Right. There's a there's a massive rethinking that is going to continue, you know, now that we're at least in many parts of the world moving beyond the pandemic. There's going to be a, this massive rethinking about work and what's important, how to affirm connection, how to build trust, how to create more innovation, how to rethink business models to, to our conversation earlier about healthcare that is going to be alive and vibrant and it's going to rely on people uh being able to be very clear, very direct, very candid about what's going on with them, what their personal needs are, and 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 negotiating for getting those met. Um, the uh, we it, it will there will be many more I think dimensions to the the sorts of models that we are using when we say does this system work? We're going to be thinking about many more stakeholders, not just shareholders. We're going to be thinking about you know, more connected impacts like on patients, on care teams, et cetera. I think it's going to be a, a fascinating, amazing time. Um, and my hope and intent is to help get as many people, as many clinicians, physicians, uh, you know, doctors who are executives into this conversation as possible so that we can help to reinvent the way that this works for both for clinicians and for patients. Yeah, that, that's music to my ears, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the work progresses. And it's a it's a wonderful time to be alive. And you know, the pandemic yeah. has not been fun for for many people. And whether it's frustration of not being able to do things, or loss of life, or whatever the case yeah. may be, but um, I, I keep hearing it time and time again. It's it's an opportunity for the great reset, and mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for us to look at things and go, how should we? 
do work? How should yeah. it look? How do we utilize uh, the strengths of our people in a way that is beneficial to them as well, which in turn benefits everybody. So it's going to be interesting yeah. work for sure. So yeah. Evan, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing work you're doing? So uh, I'm going to give you two websites. My website is metamg.com, M-E-T-A-M-G.com. I'll uh, provide that for you in the show notes. When you go there, you will find a link out to a partner website. Uh, it, that website is bolsterup.life. And there you will, if you're a healthcare provider, we are uh, collecting some information about burnout, your observations about any experience you may have had as a clinician with it, and your observations about what's going on in your organization as a way to mitigate, address, or support uh, care providers there. So we're very interested in that. Uh, we have some resources out there that'll be available, a uh, specifically a five-point document that'll help you with some strategies you can try to help ameliorate some of those conditions if they exist in your provider team right now. So bolsterup.life. And if you go out to Evan, uh, to metamg.com, uh, you can find me out there and uh, I look forward to engaging with your listeners around some of the experiences they're having and the ways that they're addressing uh, challenges related to burnout. That's great. And I'll definitely share that in the show notes. And I'll definitely share that link uh, on my social media channels as well, because I have a, you know, a ton of people that I'm connected to in the healthcare space. Great. So they can contribute. The more the more people we have in, engaged in, in adding to this conversation, um, the better the likelihood that we can reshape healthcare to be healthier. Uh, Absolutely. For, those, for those that are working in it, which has a ripple effect and will make for better patient experiences as well. So Evan, Absolutely. thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you and, and this amazing work you're doing. Michael, thank you. It's been a privilege to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.